Hey guys, welcome to Desert Island Games. My name is Richard, and in today's show, we're going to be talking about Mass Effect 2, the next game on the hit list, or the playlist, whatever you want to call it, the backlog, as we battle through my God knows how many games on Steam, and it's ginormous backlog. I'm here to give you my thoughts and impressions of the first, I think it's 12 to 13 hours of Mass Effect, and set myself a new challenge. All that after this. Desert Island Games is recorded and released weekly on your favorite podcasting apps, including Apple, Google, Amazon, uh, Good Pods, and Anchor, and wherever else you can get your podcasts from. Released every Tuesday, so if you wish to subscribe to the show, go, go give it a follow, subscribe, whatever you do on those podcasting apps. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Now, on to the show. Well, Mass Effect 2 is the game that's currently poised and playable on Steam Deck. Yes, that's the one that I've got my head into, along with a couple of other things, if I'm honest. But the main thing has been playing Mass Effect 2. And what I want to try and do in this episode is keep the spoilers out until we do like the roundup of the entire game. Um, I think it might be prudent to try and do that. I don't want to go into too much story stuff. I want to talk about my experience with this one compared to Mass Effect 1 because this has definitely been uh, a, a much more challenging game to get into. Um, if you are wondering, I did complete Mass Effect 1 uh, in around about 22 hours. You can catch the, the episode, which is the one before this, talking about or me mumbling through my playthrough that was Mass Effect 1. Um, and straight off the bat, I want to say that I really enjoyed that experience through the first Mass Effect. Yes, the combat was janky, um, but there was things I really did settle into and enjoy that experience. And Mass Effect 2 really has been quite a difficult game to kind of get into. And that's what this episode's more or less about, is my feelings about trying to kind of get involved in Mass Effect, trying to sort of punt my way through so I can round off the Legendary Edition with um, with kind of getting it all done and dusted. Oh, I was looking for an analogy or a word, but I want to get the whole series done. Um, but Mass Effect 2 definitely proving to be, to be a challenge. Um, and not on a difficulty scale. So as I said in the intro, I'm 12 to 13 hours in. Um, I will tell you where I am in the story, uh, so to speak, without spoiling too much. Um, we're on the second round of collecting the team uh, for this great mission that you're going up against, this great threat that if you've played the first one, you'll know full well. It's, if you haven't, spoiler, the Reapers. Um, I think that'll be the hopefully the only spoiler that I do from a story perspective. Because, um, as I said, I don't want to talk too much story. I want to go into the the mindset that I had for this one. Um, after I completed Mass Effect 1, I was in this really weird limbo for a day or two of not knowing what to play. And I kind of do this from time to time. I roll credits on a game. I sit back and think to myself, yes, I can do it. I can do this. I can battle through this backlog and complete these games. And then I kind of just go into this weird kind of spaced out zone of not knowing what I want to play. And 
I had a lot of my friends say to me in the gaming space, why don't you just play Mass Effect 2? And I was scared to play it, I think. I, the reason being was I didn't know how different it was going to be from my experience of Mass Effect 1. I really enjoyed that experience, that playthrough, that time I spent in Mass Effect 1. As I said, controls were janky, graphics weren't the best, but it felt like it was an RPG and in an action game. So what I mean by that is Bioware had produced an RPG and then they'd added the action game elements off the back of that. Where Mass Effect 2 is an action game with with um, RPG elements. I did a bit of research into the development of Mass Effect 2 and positively there was no crunch, uh, which is a good thing. We know that AAA game studios are full of crunch situations where... Um, they are essentially made to work long hours, six, seven day weeks to get that product out the door. And, you know, it's good to read in some articles that Mass Effect 2 didn't have this. They did produce the game in roughly two years and, you know, it was spanned over two studios. But the highlight for me or the high, the highlighted part for me is I call this an EA game this is it's produced by ea it's developed by bioware but at this point in the bioware's um sort of history if you like ea had acquired the, the company the game studio and i feel like you can tell that ea have had their influence not that there's any real articles that say anything bad about the development history but i do feel as if ea have kind of swept in and made Bioware change some of its core systems for a different style of gaming. Now, even then, EA weren't really known for its, you know, loot box and money-grabbing practices, but there was definitely a change in switch in how they wanted Mass Effect 2 to feel to Mass Effect 1. Now, I must stress that Mass Effect 1, the systems and what it had in place, wasn't the best, don't get me wrong, but certain felt... Certain things felt more RPG, I think is the best way to describe it. While, as I said, Mass Effect 2 is a shooter-come-RPG game. And while that's fine, it's taken me a good few hours to really settle into this game. Uh, luckily enough, the story and the character development in Mass Effect 2 is top quality. It's really the pinnacle of where single-player story-driven experiences were and are i think that um and it's a shame that bioware really has fallen off since these kind of great experiences anthem wasn't great and you don't need me to tell you that if you're in the gaming space along with things like mass effect andromeda now i know that was a separate division of bio uh, bioware but still andromeda as well as its own problems with the frostbite engine and bits and pieces but Andromeda was definitely a falling off for that company. And it's a real shame. It, it genuinely is that kind of like, well, what happened? Mass Effect 2 looks stunning compared to the first one. Now, just to put it out there, I am playing the Legendary Edition. I'm playing this on Steam Deck. Um, and I think what I will end up doing is doing the video to show you how to play this offline on Steam Deck. Um, and it runs absolutely fine. I've got it capped at 40 FPS, um, which is fine. It's a, a game that ran at 30 FPS previously. Control-wise, everything is, seems to be solid. 
um, and there's quite a cool cover system and other bits and pieces. And I think I'll get into game mechanics shortly. But for me, as I said, it's taken me a longer time to settle into this. In the first game, I play as an adept. I quite like magic users and RPGs. I think it's always good to try something a bit weird, a bit wacky. And the adept was definitely that. It had a mixture of different things along with using shotguns as you pull someone towards you shotgun them with a certain type of ammo that can cause dot damage over a period of time and and so on and mass effect the first one felt like you had a bit more variety even if you played as an adept and you had the same skill powers it was the way you could play that adept or that engineer or the sentinel you could play it however you wanted to play it because you had a, an ability to mix an assault rifle with an adept and so on. And I like that in RPGs. I like a bit of freedom in how my character feels and how my character is because that's the point of a role-playing game. That's the kind of the crux of it. In number two, and this is where I feel, and I might be completely wrong and hitting the nail or missing the nail, I should say, is I feel like there was definitely a meeting that they were going to change some of the systems, and they did. First of all, the weapon system. Classes in Mass Effect 2 aren't allowed to use all the guns. You're um, sort of, I think there's like three classes off the top of my head that can only use submachine guns, pistols, and then Shepard can use a heavy weapon, i.e. a rocket launcher or something like that. The um, Vanguard in number two can use a shotgun. The infiltrator can be using a sniper rifle. Uh, if you want to use all the weapons, it's locked to one class, which is the uh, the assault, but you don't get any biotic powers. And it's, or the soldier, I think it is. It's, it's essentially your bread and butter warrior from, from any RPG. And it's a kind of shame that that's the thing that they went with. They removed one of my favorite ideas, which was this ability to mix and match weapons and you know with different classes and you could as i said make an adept using a shotgun with the ability to do poison damage while you were pulling them and dropping singularity on them and and so on and it's almost that kind of play or that level of play that you've lost in the second game and that was kind of my first big issue my second big issue is how some of the classes played um the adept i think is rather useless or my personal opinion of what i played with it because a lot of the enemies in number two has a barrier and then a shield or shield barrier whatever you want to call it uh they've got three bars now at their health bar in the ui uh blue for their barrier then they'll have an armor one and then they'll have their health and you have to strip both those before you can get to taking taking away health and sort of looking at the adept they really do struggle in this stripping the armor and then Singularity, from what I read, um, has been nerfed, uh, which is a real shame because Singularity was a cool ability. Um, and that's been probably the hardest is settling on a class is because of um, in my sort of game, so my Shepard has been imported from Mass Effect 1 to Mass Effect 2. In theory, I think it would have been a good idea to continue as an adept. Um, but from the way Adept played and almost feeling like I was a bit helpless in fights and having to rely on my AI partners. And I'm not really a, an AI reliant on AI partner fan. It became uh, quite a difficult experience in the first kind of hour or so. So I would 
changed my class. I changed to an engineer and the engineer just felt really strange. It didn't feel like it could do much of anything, uh, whether I was playing it wrong or whether it is that kind of class. It's, it's you know, difficult to really make that decision because I didn't play enough of that class. And I was really early on ready to throw the towel in and about sort of three hours in because I couldn't settle on the class. I didn't like the fact that it was a, a shooter before this RPG. And I then said, no, let's, let's try a different class. Let's try again. So I went with Sentinel. Uh, Sentinel uh, as a class, your special ability is you get this like tank armor where you um, essentially get a shield around you, which is great, and then it explodes and damages enemies around you. Uh, you get the uh, pull ability, uh, no, you get throw ability, you get the cryo blast along with a couple of other abilities as well. So you can strip the armor with uh, Sentinel making the Sentinel quite a varied class to play, along with being able to boost your shield, if you like, and walk into enemy fire and give it a blast once it explodes. I wouldn't say that I'm 100% happy with this class. I think um, the way also that the stripped backness of the point system, it's almost like you can't have a complicated RPG. I don't know how to put it. There's um, in the first Mass Effect, and I can't compare it to the third. I've never played the third. And, you know, I'll still raise the same points when it comes to the third game if we're in the same boat. Um, very similar to the first game, you have your experience points as you level up. And those experience points are then put into, um, you get points to put into, you know, slots uh, which improve skills and, you know, armor health and, and so on in number two you've just got you know your class specific abilities so you've got tech armor something else and then like singularity if you're on adept and so on and you basically can put one two three four points in there uh, and they're not four single points they are one two points three points and then four so it's four seven 10. So you need 10 points total to max out one of the lines in this. Um, but that goes sort of with my overarching gripe is it does feel like that they've taken away the freedom, that expression of freedom of how to kind of build and play your character. Yes, I'm not talking that you can have a mixed builds on i don't know you know in mass effect one there was the ability to mix builds and so on no that's not what i'm saying what i'm saying is that you know that ability to have a bit of freedom does feel like it's been removed and stripped right out of it in favor of a shooting game over that rpg game um but there are positives um the game's sound design is fantastic uh, it really is Again, the voice acting is absolutely unbelievable. If you want it to, if you want a game to keep you in tune with what's going on around you and the world around you and the world building, the lore, this is really the game for you. And um, I think at some point I'll move on to the Dragon Age series as well because um, I haven't played those. And I want to see how those two compare, the Dragon Age with the story stuff as well as Mass Effect because so far that has been one of the biggest reasons why i'm pushing through this second game is to see what actions i've taken in the first game are going to affect all the way through um which i think is a system i said it in the last week's episode that they need to bring back 
They need to make these long-standing RPGs with one or two episode, you know, series uh, games in the series, and have it so you can import your character, so you can bring your character across to make those decisions, so you can invest yourself in that character and be like, Do you know what, I would make this decision or I would make that decision. Um, and then I can't wait to see how those decisions that I've made in, in the first game and won't go into too many of them affect my playthrough. I've already seen some characters that survive certain areas, um, approach me, which has been really cool. Um, so that's, I like the fact that it's happening. You're already getting a feel for, uh, this connected universe and it's, it's characters that you saved or you helped in some form or another. So. I like that. That's pretty good. Going back to the bugbear section, I'm jumping around a little bit. I thought I'd wrapped all those up. It's the ammo system. So not only have they restricted some classes with weapons, they've also brought in the ammo clips. In the first game, you had the ability to overheat and then your rifle would, or whatever weapon you were using would be stuck, you know, stuck sort of cooling down uh, as a period. Um, I can't remember if there was a stat that affected this cooling down period, but um, in the the second game it's all about ammo and the problem with just having that restriction in three guns um you don't ever really have enough ammo i do often find myself running out and maybe i should improve my aim at uh the enemy's heads but um you know using the locust and uh another pistol along with this really cool rocket launcher i don't even know how i got it um, but the rocket launcher fires like this plasma heat ball thing that everyone around it sort of starts floating around and then it explodes into a massive ball of energy. It's helped me out of some real tight spots um, playing on veteran mode, by the way. Um, so going back to the ammo, if I'm, as I said, running out, running out so, so much and so quickly uh, with the submachine gun, it's only got a 20 clip uh, and my pistol has a 24 clip, but six are in the clip and then, 18 are waiting to be reloaded um i think that kind of durability system with the uh, the ammo replenishing system is i don't know how to put it it's not great compared to the first one i do prefer the guns that are overheat i get to mix and match the guns and then they have an overheating pro uh, period whether they'll imp imp implement or re-implement i should say the heating experience in mass effect 3 i have no idea and i'll find out soon enough i suppose with that said all of my gripes equal um don't sorry don't equal now um enough to me to sort of put this game down i am going to play this through i'm invested in my shepherd's story uh in the experience with like the characters it was great to see certain characters come back even though i'm a little bit unhappy that one of them can't join my squad or hasn't joined my squad yet um so far, this feels like a, a fetch mission, uh, fetch quest mission, where I'm just going around fetching members of the squad to take on this greater threat. Um, but it's been a nice experience. The changes they've made to the um, solar system stuff, where you've got a bit more freedom with the 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 rover some are still quite barren. I did find in the first game, it did feel a little bit cop copy paste job in certain areas like. Uh, the rooms that you go in. I remember this one mission uh, or uh, a couple of missions that I was doing in Mass Effect 1 where you went to a planet, went into one room and you went down a load of corridors 
And then, then there was a fight. And then I went to do a completely separate mission where I had to collect something. And it was walking through some corridors, which were a different color. Um, and then you would then take on this big bad. Um, luckily in Mass Effect 2, the uh, repetitiveness of those sort of things don't seem to be as strong, uh, which is good. I like that. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, the variety, the, the color palette of the game. Uh, the Citadel threw me off. And I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit here. I don't know. Well, you decide. If you don't want to hear this bit, then fine. But I want to talk about the Citadel in number two. In number one, you can really explore it. And they did cut it down in number two. And I think kind of it works with the role-playing experience in the, in the fact that you had, spoiler for the first game, if you haven't listened to my previous podcast, uh, you had this massive fight with Saren and the Reapers in the Citadel, um, allowing you to kind of like, they also bringing that back, allowing you to, bringing that sort of kind of closer to home, you don't get so much of the Citadel to explore. Mass Effect 2 really sets up to be that you are on your own, your ship is your hub, and your quest is with the the organisation that did what they did in the beginning. Um, and it does feel very much like that, that the Citadel is a place that you just need to visit if you're requested to or if you need to or want to go buy some bits and pieces. So that kind of side of thing and the, the citadel i should say looks very pretty um you know it, it is definitely an upgrade in that in that regard but as i said i am enjoying it and hopefully in the next week i'll have uh or next week i'll have a story breakdown i'm going to try and get the game wrapped up as best i can for the next week's show which is um the 24th if not the 31st of january have the game wrapped up um and then looking ahead of my next game um but that was my breakdown of my experience so far with mass effect 2 again as i said no spoilers really um i wanted it to be about my thoughts and feelings about how i felt and how difficult it was to get into this game um, but now I'm into it. Now I'm in the swing of things. The story's really picking up in places. Uh, the character interaction is great. Bioware have done a fantastic job with that sort of system. Um, and you can see why people really adore this game for the storytelling. Um, and the shooting experience is good. Like, I, I knocked on it through this podcast. But overall, the shooting experience is solid. You know, everything feels weighty. Everything feels like it's in place, that kind of stuff. So what Bioware have done here, have they, they've made a solid game. Um, you know, and I want to see where I feel once I've finished it. And remember, this isn't about 100% in games. I don't 100%. I'll roll the credits and do what I feel is enough for me to enjoy the experience. And that's when we'll review it. So we'll go from there once I get to that point. But on to my next couple of things. Not that you'll know this, but the power of editing, I had to disappear and grab a drink and everything because my throat is dry. Um, anyway, um, and my tea, unfortunately, as I record this, is empty. Anyway, on to my next uh, kind of couple of things that I want to do, um, sort of rolling updates, if you like. Um, firstly, I was in a D&D &D group uh, with some really good friends one of them is the host of the nerd nest that does uh, the steam deck stuff all that you know uh, on deck uh, bill 
Uh, he was our dungeon master, and recently there's been some real crap uh, in the news about Wizard of the Coast and their open GL license change. I don't know a lot about it. I have watched a video by Yong Ye, which is a really good video that they pointed out to me to watch. Kind of explained most of it, that they wanted to make these changes, and these changes weren't good, really affected these these contracts, all these people, these players, these uh, you know homebrew, all this kind of stuff. It affected them really badly. Um but off the back of that, off that chat, I wanted to play some D&D. And I don't have a D&D group, so I had to play the next best thing, which is Pathfinder. Uh, so I downloaded and installed Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous on my Steam Deck. Luckily enough, uh, you can play this offline, and then it will upload or resync the cloud save when the time comes. But I want to give you kind of like a play-by-play each week. Uh, it won't be the main game, but it will be kind of like what's going on, that kind of stuff. So you're not just going to get me talking about one game uh, most weeks. There might be a, the odd week where, uh, like in the Mass Effect roundup, that's all we're going to talk about. It's nothing else but Mass Effects. But you also want a bit of a palate cleanser. Not that another big RPG is a palate cleanser from a big RPG, but it'd be quite nice to play something a little bit differently. Um, a little bit differently, a little bit different, because I've, I've got that mass uh, Dragon Age itch, um, but I don't really want to be playing any other Bioware games until Mass Effect Legendary Edition is all wrapped, you know, signed, sealed, delivered, all that kind of stuff. So we started path, uh, Pathfinder. Um, I've started as a ranger, an elf ranger, um, and I've literally just started, dropped into the world. Not much else is happening, to be fair. Um, I'm going to let you know every time I roll a, uh, a critical one, uh, you know, a, a one, a negative, whatever it is, a critical failure, and I'll always tell you when I, uh, you know, eventually roll a 20. Um, but... That's the first kind of small update. The other update is a challenge that I'm setting myself. Now, I did put this as a dumb challenge in a couple of discords. Shout out to the Play Along podcast, guys. Really good people. Go listen to their podcast. Going to shout them out this week. Play Along podcast, kind of the inspiration for how Desert Island Games has gone. Not so much of a book club one, this one, but just my play-by-play of experience. Um, and I'll kind of tell you how things are slightly adapting at the end of the show. Um, but I come up with this dumb challenge, which was a living dex, so Pokemon. Um, but if I die at any point in the run, i.e. I white out at any point, I have to delete all of the Pokemon I've caught previously and start again. Um, and Bullet and Ben responded with, very dumb. Lol, that's bonkers. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. <laughs> Take that challenge because it's stupid, but... I am going to try and start doing a living dex in Pokemon Home. For those who don't know what a living dex is, it's to catch each and every single Mon. So Bulbasaur, Ivysaur, Venusaur, and so on in order, uh, and then organize it in Pokemon Home to basically make like a jigsaw. The only one that you can't put in there at the minute is uh, Scarlet because Scarlet isn't available in Home. Um, but I've been doing research into what uh, games I need, what games I can, how many Pokemon I can get with the games that I've got. So, so far, really kind of doing the research stage and hopefully we'll make a start next week. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do this actually off the save file that I've already got in each game. The reason being is is this. Um, I want to do it so you can get the ultra rare Pokemon at the end, but... Um, Pokemon Home, I think, can get funny about if you're trying to sign into a different account. So I haven't decided if I'm going to do it 
I say I haven't decided if I'm going to do it from scratch. The likelihood is I'm just going to carry on from the saves that I've got in Sword. I haven't actually started Brilliant Diamond, so Brilliant Diamond is just essentially a, a, a new start. Same with Legend Arceus, I've barely started that game. Um, let's go Big Chew, I've completed, um, but I may roll again. Um, so it'll go into my current Pokemon Home account. I think I can start again in games and then just transfer them into Pokemon Home. Uh, so that's also something that you'll get uh, uh, hopefully hopefully weekly updates in how I'm getting if I haven't done any of it then you won't get updated there's that so they're the kind of two rolling projects I've got um, that I think could really change how we or I deliver the content on the show along with trying to get some videos out on Gamed Out but I alluded to some slight changes this is a bit of a pilot episode to what I'm going to be doing going forward when I start a new game I'm going to give you a technical breakdown of how I feel about the game, sort of getting into it, that kind of stuff. Is it something that I can see myself playing? That, you know, those kind of things. We're going to do that after about 10, 15 hours. I think you kind of know yourself in yourself if you want to be continuing that game for any length of time after a good 10 or 12, 10 or 15 hours. Um, so I'll do the first impressions, no story spoilers of any game, but I'll do the first like impressions of it graphically get all that sort of stuff out of the way and then once i've rolled the credits we'll do an actual story breakdown of it my experience what paths i took if it's a multi-path game that kind of stuff did i complete any achievements those kind of things what do i have to do to complete those achievements all that um and then turn it into a bit more of a, an achievement hunter thing not 100 i'm not going down that route just yet but so episode one of a new game will be technical specification system i'm playing it on that kind of stuff and how i feel about it and then the second if it's going to take me more than two episodes you know we will do let's say i don't know i'm playing uh cyberpunk let's say i'm playing cyberpunk 2077 and i've done the the, the technical stuff in the first episode if it's going to take me two episodes to complete i will basically tell you that i'm 40 hours in and this is what i've done up to those 40 hours this is the story this is this this is this and then the next one is uh essentially the latter part of the game and then i may do a um a roundup of everything but i i, I don't know because i can do the roundup in that that second or third episode however long that game takes um, so yeah that's kind of how we're going to slowly adapt and um sort of build the content out along with hopefully getting along with some interviews in the, the near future but that's all to come and i want to thank everybody for listening this week i really do as i said i always try and shout out a podcast that i've been listening to just recently and i want to shout out the play along podcast boys they really do do a great job uh, there's three hosts where they will sit down and they will do a book club style um uh They'll play a game and then they'll talk about it in like this book club style. It's really good. So go find it. Play along podcasts on all your favorite podcasting apps. Go see them. See them? Yeah, they've even got a YouTube channel. Uh, go go tell them I sent you uh, because they're, they're, they're a good bunch of people. However, if you want to get in contact with me, you can do at uh, the following email address, which is zapdc.hotmail.com. I keep saying that I'm going to get a show's email and I'll try and do it for next week. Uh, so that's Z-A-P-P-D-C-E-D at hotmail.com. Let me know if you're playing Mass Effect. Let me know if you're trying to do your own living decks. Let me know if you're rolling a one on Pathfinder. Um, from there, you can get in touch with me at Twitter, at that chap zap, uh, Mastodon, which is at Dig Richard. Uh, you can also get in touch with me there. 
And you can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and all the other places that you can get your favorite your podcasting from, your favorite podcasting from. Hopefully, I'm your favorite podcast, but there we are. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me this week. I'll see you all very, very soon.